The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love ride. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Roger Wiegan, who publishes Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Um, we do have a special introductory offer that we always make available uh, for one time only, first time, one time only. Uh, you can call my assistant in New York at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426 uh, to sign up for the special low-cost introductory subscriptions to all three uh, newsletters. You do that separately. Uh, the best place probably to follow what I'm doing, actually to gain access to this show and a lot of other things that my partners and I do, is through jtaylormedia.com. That's J-A-Y Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, media.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Also, I would like to invite you uh, to send along your questions and comments from time to time. We really would like to hear more from you. Uh, questions for Taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Uh, you can do like a person named Kay from Australia did. She wrote just a, a nice thank you note last week saying, really enjoy your show. I don't have much money to invest right now, but I really enjoy the education uh, the things that I'm learning here, I can't get through the uh, normal uh, media. So I, I do see this show as an educational show, but I should uh, also like to say that I see it also as a practical way to make money. Uh, that's what we try to do. We try to apply uh, the practical solutions to the theories that are talked about. And we do come uh, onto the show with a bias towards Austrian economics, that's free market economics, because we believe that really markets uh, prevail ultimately. Governments can try to short circuit markets, they try to overcome, uh, they try to make believe that we can have something for nothing, they try uh, in exchange for votes, they sell the big lie, which is 
Uh, vote for me and you'll be on Easy Street. Well, we're seeing where that's taking us. Uh, not uh, on Easy Street by any means. And as um, Howard Davidowitz said a few weeks ago, 80% of Americans are finding their living standards shrinking. 20% are doing okay or better. So uh, what we try to do on this show is put our listeners in that top 20% if possible, at least to hang on to preserve what you have. And you certainly can't do that with fiat money, which is a license to steal. It's being used by those that manipulate the system to wrestle wealth away from those that produce it, the miners, the manufacturers, the inventors, farmers, people that really do something for others are not getting their fair shake. They would, in my view, in a free market situation, but that's not what we have. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, to a very uh, interesting person uh, named Carmen Alexia in a little while. She's going to join me as a co uh, as a co-host today when we talk to James Turk. He's going to be our main uh, guest today. Uh, in uh, a few minutes, we're going to be uh, talking also to a couple of companies that are on our list uh, that are um, sponsors to this show as well. Um, as I mentioned, we have James Turk as a guest. Also, um, I'm going to have Carmen Alexi with us. Uh, a certain Federal Reserve chairman named uh, Alan Greenspan um, has a very thorough understanding of gold and economic freedom. Uh, James Turk is going to talk to us about gold and economic freedom today and a lot of other things. Uh, but in fact, one of these people, James Turk, is practicing what he preaches. Alan Greenspan understood that if we went to fiat money, we would do away with our freedom. Uh, I like to think of Alan Greenspan as one of the greatest traitors of all time, and I say that because he knowingly, he knowingly uh, participated in uh, the fiat currency ripoff scheme that has taken money away from those that, and wealth away from those that produce it, uh, and handed it over to people that would uh, rather get rich without working for it. Um, I am, as I said, delighted to have Carmen Alexei with us. She grew up in a communist country, and you know, I've noticed and have talked to other people who grew up in communist countries, they seem to understand better than a lot of Americans the disastrous path that we're heading on to, I think probably because, well, she's lived through a communist system, came to this country at 18 years of age, uh, and she was old enough to see what was going on there. She came to America looking for freedom, looking for opportunities and free markets, and, uh, you know, she is finding out that things are not going the way she envisioned they would some years ago when she came to this country. So we're going to be really happy to have Carmen with us, um, and uh, she, this will be her first time on the show. She is scheduled to come on later in uh, sometime in August, early August, to be with us as well. Um, so Carmen will, will talk to us about, uh, about those parallels between her uh, experience in Romania and what's going on now in the U.S. Um, in terms of practical applications, I should mention, uh, if I didn't, Adrian Fleming. He's the CEO and director of Smash Minerals. He'll be talking to us at about a quarter past the hour in about 10 minutes or so from now. Uh, then in the second hour of today's show, uh, I've got Greg Romain. He's the president and CEO of Go West Gold. That's a company with a 1.2 million ounce resource and counting in, on in Ontario. Looks to me like um, a very undervalued stock, but we're going to learn more from Greg when he comes on in the second hour at about 3.30, um, I'm sorry, about 4.30 Eastern Time. At the end of the show, Roger Wiegand will be joining me, and he's going to talk about his views on gold, and he tells me that uh, his latest work, his latest chart work, is uh, suggesting to him 
that gold is looking very, very bullish. Now, uh, speaking of bullish gold, we have with us Chen Lin. Uh, and Chen, we have seen the price of gold skyrocket this afternoon. I don't know what was happening. Uh, have you any sense of what was going on? Why did gold take off? Uh, I would say about an hour ago or so, it almost went straight off the chart. What happened? Yeah, so it's very interesting. I mean, I sent my letter early this week. I said, that, you know, I'm kind of feeling, you know, gold may break out from here. And I'm very glad to see it's happening. Um, I think it just, there's a problem with this paper currency. Right? See, right now, euro have problem. But a few weeks from now, U.S. dollar could have problem. You know, yeah. uh, then you talk about Chinese currency. This supposed to be strong currency, but there's massive printing in Chinese currency as well. Oh, they also say Japan, Japan could be the next Italy because, you know, they're dead situation. So every paper currency is a joke. That's yeah. the bottom line. Sadly. Uh, it, it really is a joke, Chen. Uh, it's, it's, well, I'd say not a joke. It's more of a horror story, I would say. Uh, Chen, uh, so where do you see, I mean, is there any, you know, is there any way to know how high the price of gold will go? And I ask that reason, I ask that question because it, you can't, what are you measuring it in? You're measuring it in dollars, and as you say, every currency is a joke. It, it, it has no integrity. It has no unit of measure. There's no reliable unit of measure in any currency because they are all basically uh, figments of our imagination. There are endless supplies of it. So... Is it, does it even make sense to say how high is gold going? Because if it goes up and up and up, what does it mean? Exactly. It's it, it just in what, what currency, right? It's very hard. I mean, it's just that kind of thing. We will see, you know, we will see it develop in the next five, ten years and see how high it will go, you know, in dollar terms, in euro terms, in Chinese yuan terms, in Japanese yen terms. You know, the, the people will see how high it can go. I mean, it, 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 it's not hard to imagine gold could go to, for example, five digits. I mean, yeah. five it's very digits. possible. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean because, because the digits that you're measuring it in are meaningless. Exactly. I mean, Mr. Bernanke can create trillions and trillions of dollars. Some people are speculating a QE3 is on its way now because of the abysmal failure of QE1 and QE2 to pull us out of the, out of the tank. Um, so you think we're going to get a QE3? A QE well, right now is uh, euro is is weak. It's very weak. Uh, actually, it's very uh, quite detrimental to United States uh, manufacturers. You know, revival. They supposedly they want to create jobs. So because every central bank wants to see its currency to be weaker. Uh, so if euro weaker, United States has to do something. You know, what I'm saying it has to do something to make dollar weaker because they know, <laughs> we don't want to see a strong dollar. Yeah. But, well, that's so the that, bigger that, that neighbor. Exactly. So that that's uh, exactly it could happen. You know, for Q, in terms of QE three or other form, they could have another fancy name for it. I yeah. don't know. But the, the the goal is to make your paper worth less tomorrow. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's the goal, and that was the goal in the 1930s as well. But you uh, are not only bullish on gold; you also like um, oil as well. Uh, and there is a company, Mart Resources, I believe it's called, that you like a lot. Could you explain to our listeners why? Yeah, I mentioned a couple of times on, on this radio show also. I mean, so basically it's a company right now, nobody really cares. It's just in the trading range, very flat. Now start showing a bottom, start picking up some volume. Uh, it's trading about one time forward a cash flow after tax. 
So that's kind of amazing for energy company. And then they can do a dramatic growing just on its own. No, no need to raise money, just use their cash flow to drill more, to build a big, bigger, bigger company. And recently, last year, there was a Nigerian company got taken over by the Chinese uh, for $9 billion. I mean, Mars potentially could be like that side one day. Um, yeah. Okay. Tell us also, uh, you are still very, very bullish on the pulp, paper pulp stocks. Tell our listeners why. Well, basically, it's an indirect act play. So cotton's very high, price is very high. Even it's come down a little bit, still make a lot of sense for to use uh, uh, crayon to uh, substitute cotton, right? So to make those uh, special crayon, they need um, uh, re- resolving pulp. It's a specialty pulp. The price has already doubled in the past few years. Uh, so right now, this year, Chinese manufacturer learned a trick. So instead of what uh, we use 100% resol- resolving pulp, which is $3,000 per ton, they can use like 85% of that, and then use 15% of soft pulp to mix together, which costs about $1,000, by the way. Uh-huh. So, and then to make a, you make a clothes. And, and then it feels just like a regular clothes. <laughs> so so, they so are... that actually create an extra demand for those soft wood pulp. And there's a no supply response to this. I mean, there's uh-huh. no supply coming online in, in, in the horizon for the next you know, five, ten years. And then okay. demand is coming. So what do you see? You know, you see very continuous, uh, you know, uh, rising of the price because the supply demand imbalance. Okay, Chen, I'm, we're, uh, Chen, excuse me just a minute. We're going to have to go to a, a break, a commercial break, but I'd like you to come back. Our guest... Uh, is not with us. He's in Switzerland, but somehow we're having difficulty getting a hold of him. So if you could come back right after the uh, commercial break, I'd like to talk to you some more about the paper pulp and also some other ideas if we have time. Can you, can you stay with us for a few more minutes, Chen? Sure. Great. Okay, folks, we're going to go to break, and uh, we'll be right back to talk to Chen. And if we're able uh, to get Adrian Fleming, he's the CEO of Smash Minerals, we'll be talking to him as well. Uh, but for now, we have a lot of great things to hear from Chen, so we'll be right back with Chen Lin. Don't go away. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Goldfields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer long by 20-kilometer wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Enertopia Corporation is exploring for precious metal deposits in the western United States. The Copper Hills Project is a near-surface copper and silver oxide deposit. Historic bulk sampling has returned results of 0.8% copper and 3 ounces per ton silver. This year's work program will consist of an IP survey and a drilling program to test the near-surface copper-silver mineralization. Additional projects are under review. Enertopia trades on the OTCBB under ticker ENRT and in Canada under the symbol TOP on the CNN. SX Exchange. 
Dravali Mining Corporation is building the next mid-tier silver, lead, zinc, and copper producer in the Americas by bringing two new polymetallic mines into production over the next several months. The Half Mile Mine in New Brunswick, Canada is scheduled to come on stream this fall and will be followed by the Santander Mine in Peru, where the company is on schedule for mill commissioning by the end of this year. Exploration is active on both projects that remain open for resource expansion. Trevali trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under symbol TV. Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital, combined with advanced technology, will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH. Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and unfortunately, we are not able to uh, get in touch with Adrian Fleming. He's the CEO of Smash Minerals. It's one of the sponsors to our company. They do have a very interesting story. I'm sorry we can't get through to him. He is in Zurich, Switzerland, and our uh, our engineer tried to call uh, them, uh, call Mr. Fleming, but apparently the hotel where he's staying is not answering the phone for whatever reason. And so we're going to have to uh, forego that discussion today the way it looks. But the good, the good news is that Chen Lin is still with us. And Chen has so many valuable uh, things to say. Uh, Chen, we were talking about the paper pulp industry. You were providing some uh, reasons why you are so bullish on paper pulp. Uh, I guess it's not a very sexy industry to a lot of people, but you're looking at the price-to-earnings ratios, you're looking at the industry as a whole, and the, uh, the conditions are almost perfect for huge profits for these companies. There's a barrier to entry. It's not as if big profits are there so new companies can quickly enter and compete. Uh, there's a lot of restriction in the, in the entry and competition. Uh, but talk to us about your uh, favorite uh, paper pulp stock. I think that's Mercer. Could you tell our listeners about Mercer? I know you've mentioned that before on the show, but, but just tell us what you're expecting from Mercer. 
Right, Mercer is uh, they're making soft food pulp. Pulp has a, there's many different type of pulp. Okay, Mercer uh, makes soft food pulp. Uh, there is uh, uh, there also there's hardwood pulp. They also the dissolving pulp or specialty pulp. Those are specialty pulp are very expensive. They're selling for like three thousand dollar per ton. Mm -hmm. Okay, soft wood is about a thousand. Hardwood maybe eight hundred to nine hundred. Mm. So this is a dynamic. Okay, right now uh, there's no soft wood pop coming online, major coming online for next uh, five to ten years. Mm. Absolutely, barrier of entry extremely high. Uh, like mm -hmm. you're looking about, uh, talk cost about two to three billion dollars to build a modern uh, pop mill. Mm -hmm. And then the, and then the softwood supply is very hard to come by because there's not a lot of softwood in the world, mm -hmm. there's hardwood coming. It's hardwood pop coming in South America. They are coming, you know, next. There's, I think, some coming uh, in 2012, some 2013, mm -hmm. but that's hardwood. Okay, softwood, there's no competition. So, Chen, you're saying that there's some hardwood pulp manufacturers coming online in the next few years, but nothing in the soft, in the soft pulp, even though, as you're suggesting or saying, there's a new demand for soft pulp. Yeah, this is a new demand to use that to substitute cotton. So mm -hmm. that that's a, that's a thing, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's just no uh, supply uh, response. Mm -hmm. Okay, on the old the old uh, softwood pulp, they were closed down in 2008. Those reopen. Uh, they, when they reopen, they go to dissolving pulp. They go. They want to sell those three thousand dollar pulp. They don't want mm -hmm. to sell you know <laughs> one thousand. Sure. I mean, even one thousand is very profitable for Mar Mercer. Their cost is like three hundred or something. Mm -hmm. So they are making incredible. They're making 1.5 million tons about that uh, a year. A pop. Mm -hmm. This is the largest independent uh, pop maker. Mm -hmm. And you calculate their margin, you, you can easily see that they are making a killing at this current pop price. Which is so, cool. Chen, let me ask you. You're saying their cost is around 300 a ton, and they can get what? A thousand a ton? A thousand a ton. Yeah. So you have $700 uh, dollar margin per ton, and they're producing 1.5 million. Yeah, you can do the math, Tons. and the you market cap is only 500 million. The, 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 the thing is, uh, well, uh, just roughly $300, $400, okay, mm -hmm. because sure. uh, they were dropped to that range that Mercer was about break-even, so I kind of know that that's about mm -hmm. their cost. But the cost could vary because the energy cost goes sure. higher now, sure. so the cost could be a little bit higher now. Uh, but the, on, the, on the other, the people look at it, a lot of people ignore that because it's, has a lot of debt on their balance sheet, but people didn't realize the debt actually is a debt guaranteed by German government. Mm. So the German want them to build the mill in Germany, okay? Because mm. they have a lot of wood supply, they want to make the pop. So mm. the government they say, okay, I current coming, I guarantee one billion, something like that, one billion dollar of loan. So business is guaranteed by German government, so it's like German bond. Very, they pay very very low interest rate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so those are very different than you know other company debt. So mm -hmm. they basically, they are paying off all the other debt like crazy, okay? By, by the end of the year, I expect they, like, out of all the other debt, but they, this German government debt, they, they want to keep it as long as they could. It's like free money. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, low, it's a low funding cost for them. Are they, are they building and they're going to be expanding production, Chen? I don't think they, 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 they will expand it just right now. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, hard, build a pop mill is so difficult. Yeah. Okay, even you have, I give you $2 billion, you, it's still 
take about two, three years to build. Yeah, it's like building a gold mine. It's very difficult as well. Exactly, exactly. It's where, and then you have to make sure you have enough wood supply. You have to be close to wood supply. You have to get a permit yeah, environmentally because all these paper industry can be very pollutive, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure you satisfy all these. So it's very difficult to come online for new pulp mill, and then they have no competition right now. They, they're making a killing at current pulp price. Um, people didn't recognize the, the trader didn't recognize. So I think they will they will eventually will. You, you can just go to Yahoo. They say their PE is like three. I think it will go lower this year because the pop price went up so much uh, recently. Hmm. Uh, and then they they are going to once they pay off the debt. I talked to the company like uh, not you know a few months ago, and they said, well, they can pay dividend, they can buy back share, they can do a lot of things. I mean, it, it's really up. You know, they, they have so much money at their disposal. Wow, that sounds but, like a really... So what are they selling at now? They're projected there. What's the P-E $10, ratio now? About $10. It was as high as $15 early this year. But all these, uh, all these you know, Italy, Greece, all these things hit it very hard. But remember, their pop meal is in Germany. Mm-hmm. They actually weaken Euro is to their advantage mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cost goes down. Right. So actually, there will be benefit to the weakened weakened euro. There will be benefit for rising ag price. It's an ag play, cotton. Right. Directly oh. speaking, it's a cotton play. And then plus, they have planned to upgrade their mill to go to specialty pop. Mm-hmm. They, they have planned. They're already doing some feasibility study. So basically, instead of selling a thousand dollar a ton, they can sell like two, three thousand dollar a ton. And cost that, not that much higher than producing the soft pulp, or how does that work? It, 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 yeah, it will. It cost them. You know, I, I think they're still working on analysis, maybe fifty yeah. million or something. You know, but yeah. it's much cheaper than building a a new pulp mill from ground up. So we're selling at a PE ratio of projected earnings this year of what, Chen? About. Oh, this, it's very hard to, to say. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, the, the earnings, because they have all these write-offs. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have all the, but I can say they, they're selling about one-time cash flow. Wow, okay. okay. But so it's, they have with a, a lot bush. of write-offs. So earnings is not very accurate. You know what I'm saying? But they, yeah. they, have a, but they will, the, the downside is, I talked to the company, they have so much profit, uh, later this year they will start, have to start paying tax. Because they, their tax credit going to be poor will be used up. So that, that's the only. Well, downside. it sounds very, very bullish to me, Chen. Uh, just we got maybe a minute left or so. Talk to us a little bit about this other uh, this oil company that I know you love so much, March. Right. Well, I like company that can be on their own. Okay, they have the cash flow. They need, don't need to go to the market to keep begging for money. They need, don't need to begging the analyst. Please give me an upgrade. <laughs> so I can go out and raise more money. But Mart is self-funded. Okay, they are making incredible money amount of money. Uh, we estimate like a twenty million dollars uh, after tax per month. Okay, mm, so per month, per month. Yeah, so after tax. So, so they, they how many shares all, are there, Chan? How many shares in the company? Uh, three hundred million something. Uh, okay, but people can do the arithmetic there. Twenty million over three hundred, and that's their monthly earnings, their monthly cash flow, I should say. Yeah, after tax cash flow. Uh-huh. So, 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 so they're you know they have they're fully funding their uh, their own operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're increasing on pr- their production very rapidly, and then they're building up their balance sheet to build their cash star. You can see their cash star rising very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then they can do share buyback, they can pay dividend, you know, all these are under their own control. And that's they're expecting to grow production fairly rapidly now, I believe, right? 
Yes, yes. They plan to build a pipeline of a capacity of 80,000 barrels, 80,000 barrels. Uh-huh. So that, that's a huge pipeline. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. Right now, they are producing about 8,000. Okay. okay. They're going to, once they're going to go to 12,000 very soon, uh, and then they go probably go to about 18,000 by the end of the year. That's okay. right now the current pipeline capacity. Well, that's a very exciting idea as well, and I, I guess people are probably somewhat concerned about about risk, but if you can get uh, political risk, but I guess if you can get comfortable with that, this looks like a really, really great uh, story. Chen, I want to thank you. We do have to go to break now uh, and get on to our next guest. Uh, folks, don't go away. We're going to be speaking to Carmen Alexei and then James Turk, um, so you don't want to miss these two. Uh, exciting people. They've got a lot to talk about uh, in terms of uh, the gold markets and also uh, personal liberty and freedom, uh, things that are really more important than the materialistic. As Congressman Paul says, if we have our freedom, we can become, uh, we can become prosperous. But take away our freedom, and we're going to lose everything else. We're going to be right back with Carmen Alexei and James Turk. Don't go away. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Origa Gold is a Canadian mine development and exploration company working in Manitoba's prolific Flin Flon Greenstone Belt. Origa's experienced management team is focused on developing the Maverick Gold Project and expanding gold resources. Maverick Gold includes historical gold resources, a 1,000-ton-per-day mill, developed underground ramp, year-round roads, and exploration access. Origa plans to bring Maverick Gold back into production in 2012. Origa Gold trades on the TSX Venture under the symbol AIA. Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite, with operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia. Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Gold Fields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer long by 20-kilometer wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. This program is brought to you by Sandgold at www.sandgold.ca. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ten gold mining region. Sandgold continues to show tremendous exploration success. With two mines already in production, the company is now revealing a new gold mining trend. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www. 
Dravali Mining Corporation is building the next mid-tier silver, lead, zinc, and copper producer in the Americas by bringing two new polymetallic mines into production over the next several months. The Half Mile Mine in New Brunswick, Canada is scheduled to come on stream this fall and will be followed by the Santander Mine in Peru, where the company is on schedule for mill commissioning by the end of this year. Exploration is active on both projects that remain open for resource expansion. Dravali trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under symbol TV. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm pleased to have with me Carmen Alexi and James Turk uh, will be joining us in just a few minutes as well. Carmen uh, grew up in Romania. That's a communist country, of course. Well, at least it was then, a totalitarian country where individual rights were never on the government's agenda. She escaped to freedom when she came to America at age 18, and she came here because she was looking for opportunity and, and freedom and a chance to to get the most out of her life and to provide and do, do good things for other people. Uh, but now that she is here in America, she is seeing signs that the country, uh, this country, one that is supposedly all about freedom and free markets, is rapidly moving towards something more akin to what she moved away from. Uh, Carmen became interested in economics in 2008 after reading Ron Paul's book, The Revolution, a Manifesto, and is an Austrian economics proponent uh, coming from a country without individual freedom or respect of private property, she recognized that the direction America was taking uh, the wrong direction after the 2008 elections. Carmen has an entrepreneurial mind and found out that knowing more about economics would help her better invest uh, and uh, become a better advisor to others. And she believes that uh, every investor should know about and recognize the symptoms of the boom and bust cycles uh, so, welcome, Carmen. Uh, thank you very much, Jay. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, and you're here with James Turk, who I know you have great admiration for. Oh, well. absolutely. He's actually and, one of my uh, my favorite economic and investment experts. So uh, I'm I'm very excited. It's such an honor to be here with both of you. Well, thank you, and I know. Uh, James also has has been a great educator over the years. He's somebody that has helped me a great deal, too, and we're going to get on to James Turk in just a couple of minutes. But, Carmen, I want to ask you, you came to America. Talk to us a little bit about your experience. You came here at age 18, and how many years ago was that, more or less? Uh, that's about, what, uh, 23 years or so? And that was still while Romania was under the communist, uh, under, under the Russian... Uh, under the communist regime, yeah, Ceausescu's regime, yeah, yeah. Right. Did your did your family come here with you, or did you come here alone? Uh, no, actually, that's another story. I actually escaped Romania, being a, a competitive swimmer. So. Oh, 
Uh-huh. When I turned 18, I basically figured out a way to uh, escape the freedom, and it was uh, it was very uh, a book yet to be to be written, I should say. I would wonder. So you were actually swimming in a different country, and you found yes. a way to sneak away from the police. Yeah, basically what I did, I uh, I went when I turned after I turned 18, I went to a swimming competition in the former Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. Now Yugoslavia during that time was a neutral country, mm-hmm. so um, I basically crossed the border into Italy where I um, uh, asked for applied for a political asylum and. Um, I eventually interviewed with an American counselor, and I came over to the United States in 1983. Mm. Was your family in any jeopardy because of your action, do you think? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. My, my parents had, had paid a price, which I really did not know uh, initially what the repercussions. Uh, but my vision was that I would bring them all over, you know, and we would re- reunite together. Sure, and, sure. Um, yeah, that's basically what, what happened eventually. Oh, good. Okay, so they did come to be here in America with you then. Yeah, but I did lose both my parents. I, I do have my sister, which we're really close. We're a small mm-hmm. family, but we're very, very close. Okay, you came to America then. Just explain why specifically. I tried to do that, but if you want to do it in your own words. Sure, sure. And a lot of people have asked me, Jay, why did I come to America and why not go anywhere else? And uh, simply I would tell them uh, freedom. Mm-hmm. But today, actually, um, I want to take the concept of freedom to a more profound meaning because uh, many people think of freedom um, just in terms of freedom of speech mm-hmm. and freedom to bear arms to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yet, from an Austrian perspective, and you're Austrian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Freedom, besides that definition, freedom is the environment where people, through hard work, dedication, and their talent, can act upon economic opportunities. And also, from the same perspective, freedom is the right of an individual to a private property without the threat of confiscation. Mm-hmm. And when I mean private property, I'm not only referring to our homes or the real estate that we may own, but I'm also referring to our savings, our assets, our mm-hmm. businesses, mm-hmm. and especially our earnings. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess the next question would be freedom from whom or freedom from what? And this is where Austrian economics shines above all the other schools because its answer without hesitation is freedom from government intervention. And this is what I envisioned America was all about when Mm -hmm. I came here. Well, it was to a great extent, uh, much more than most countries for a long time. And then gradually we started to be, quote, unquote, educated about Keynesian economics, which I think is really communism light. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 and I think it's, I don't know, maybe you would agree or not, uh, it's sort of like the frog being put into the water and the, and the, and the heat and the water turned up, uh, the heat turned slowly. up underneath. Slowly, we haven't really understood. Little by little by little, we've lost our freedom. We've lost, and you talk about confiscation, Carmen. I mean, we're taxed, but the worst and most pernicious confiscation of all is through inflation, through fiat money. Anyway, I'm getting off uh, track a little bit. I want because I want to focus, and you and I are going to talk in a future um, in a future show. I think in early in August, so we'll get into more details. But what did you see happening? What was happening in uh, in Romania that that you think is so much like what you see is happening here? Yeah, well, what was happening in Romania was predominant throughout the entire Eastern Europe during the Cold War. 
And in just a few words, because I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but there was no freedom of speech, no right to bear arms, no right to personal property. And uh, this is pretty much what most Americans know. Mm -hmm. But let's uh, move a step forward and talk a little bit about the economy, since many folks have yet to learn of the correlation between economics and individual freedom. Mm -hmm. Now, for example, when I was a little girl, Jay, I remember that there were still a variety of consumer goods and service uh, consumer goods on the shelves, mm-hmm. and there were also plenty of farmers bringing their produce to the city. Mm-hmm. But by the time I, I turned uh, uh, adolescent uh, stage, not only that we had no more choices, but there were food shortages and shortages in just about uh, any product out there. Mm-hmm. Now, what actually had happened, if you stay and analyze it, when communists took over Eastern Europe, they used a technique which I call barbaric confiscation. Mm-hmm. Barbaric <laughs> so, confiscation. Barbaric confiscation. Now, they confiscated primarily the wealth in, in hard assets, such as uh, precious metal, metals, gold and silver, and real estate. But here is the thing. Still, they allowed businesses and farmers to continue their operation, and this is the tricky part, because what eventually put those folks out of business were a few events, and those were um, the government rules and regulations, the taxation, and the competition from the government. Uh. The competition from the government. Who can compete with the government? Right. And you know what's interesting to know is, is Jay, that the rhetoric of the 1918 Bolshevik uh, Communist Revolution yeah. was that the revolution was for the good of the people. For well, the good of that, the people. Aren't that, we told this every day? Yeah, we're told this every day. We had to bail out the rich bankers for our good. Exactly. We have to be taxed for our good. We have to have all these rules and regulations. We have to be searched and... Uh, and radiated as we go through airports now for our good. Mm-hmm. It sort of makes you a little bit angry. Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, cross the Atlantic Ocean and from, from everything that had happened into Europe and coming over here, I ha- I'm seeing, at least in the past decade, the seeds of this have been planted. Yeah. I mean, look at all these three events are happening here. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is eerie. It's, it's, a, it's a frightening thing. Uh, I, I have I have believed the same thing to be true, Carmen. Though, uh, and I didn't come from your background. It's just just because I I don't know. Some people get it. Most people don't. Most people are pleased enough to just be, you know, uh, watching um, television and and sporting events and so forth and so on. Uh, but one person who really does get it and who has been predicting this for many many decades or for. I don't want to make him too old, but he's more or less my age, and James Turk is with us. James, welcome. Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. Really good to have you, uh, James. Uh, most people know you, uh, I, I'm quite sure, but for the sake of those who may not be familiar with uh, James Turk, he is the founder and chairman of Gold Money, and that uh, goldmoney.com. Uh, that provides a convenient way to buy and hold and sell gold and silver and I think platinum and palladium now as well. In a digital format, it's, it's something that, uh, well, it, it is really a very convenient way, a very low-cost way of owning and holding and buying and selling uh, gold. So, uh, James, you heard uh, Carmen's experience in Romania. You have been 
you have understood the connection between gold and economic freedom, between free markets and freedom. Alan Greenspan understood something about gold and economic freedom. Uh, he wrote a paper on it in 1966 and then became a Federal Reserve chairman and basically, I guess he basically ran the show for a while and printed money like mad. And what do we have? A housing boom. We had a dot-com bubble and then a housing bubble. Greenspan understood that fiat money would destroy freedom, economic freedom. Uh, where are we going now? Do you, do you see Carmen's vision? Do you believe Carmen is, uh, has it right, more or less, in, in, yeah, in America? The parallels that she was describing between Romania and, and the U.S. are really quite uh, worrying. Uh, but, you know, the writing is on the wall. Um, you know, we have become a socialist country, and I think what we have to do to solve today's economic problems is turn our backs to socialism and go in the direction that made America great in the first place. And, yeah. you know, there are a number of different things, Jay, but I always like to start by focusing on sound money, which is one of the points that uh, Carmen brought up. Right. If you give control of money to the government, you're giving government too much power, and that power will ultimately be abused, particularly when you're dealing with a fiat currency, which is backed by nothing except government promises. You know, the founders and the framers of the Constitution put gold and silver in the Constitution for a reason. There was too much power had been given to the Continental Congress and the Continental Currency, which was ultimately destroyed. And one of the reasons they created a more perfect union was to create a single currency based on, you know, uh, as it turns out, silver was their choice from the Coinage Act of 1792, and, and a common market. And so it was until seven, 1971 when we abandoned the wisdom of the framers, and we're relearning today the problems that they learned with the Continental. And I'm mm -hmm. concerned that the dollar will collapse just like the Continental collapsed. Well, we are learning... We are learning the same lesson. We say we are learning. I don't know how many people are learning, James, because I still, when I turn on the mainstream media, it doesn't sound to me like they're learning. QE1 didn't work. QE2 didn't work. So we're going to try QE3, or as Mark Faber suggests, QE24. Yeah, go exactly. back and read it. We, I go back. I had a guest on this show that wrote about um, the new, new Deal or Raw Deal. It was, I think that's the name of the book. And a, a historian, a, a professor, who, who went over and talked about Roosevelt's own Treasury Secretary saying, we've had eight years of this and it has not worked. We have as much unemployment now as we had eight years ago and we have all this debt to boot. So we don't learn. And it seems to me there is within the human being a, a desire for regressive behavior to go back to the womb, perhaps, to say to have everything taken care of, but they don't make the connection between that desire and that need to regress and to live, uh, to have everything taken care of so we don't have to worry and don't have to work. Uh, they don't make the connection between that and freedom, as Carmen was suggesting. So what, I, what I'd like to ask you is what do you think the chances are of us waking up and doing something about it before this place, before we have, all, you know, devastation, something devastating happening to us, and then we wake up and, you know, do you think, you think the ship can be turned around before it, before it implodes, is what I'm asking, or explodes? Yeah, you know, despite the good work by Ron Paul and a few others in Washington, D.C., I don't hold out much hope for Washington, D.C., uh, and policymakers there turning things around, but I do... Uh, hold out a lot of hope, and I'm very optimistic by what's happening at the state level uh, around the country. There are about 15 states now looking at creating or have already taken steps to create gold and silver as currencies uh, as an alternative to the U.S. dollar. And I'm hopeful that if more states uh, actually do what Utah has done 
South Carolina maybe, hopefully, is about to do. Montana almost did and probably will reconsider it in the uh, next uh, legislature session coming up in, in uh, later this year, is you know, reestablishing sound money at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if enough states do that, uh, they can bring pressure to bear go directly to Washington on the constitutional issue, making clear that the dollar as it presently exists today is an unconstitutional monetary unit of account. It's an unconstitutional money. Yeah. Uh, the states have the power to write things. And, you know, that's the beauty of the, of the Constitution and the American system. It's, you know, two levels of government, the federal level and the state level, and ultimately controlled by the people. And mm-hmm. the states are much closer to the people than the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I'm wondering if there's not going to be some sort of a test, though, at the, at the Supreme Court level here in the rights of states to do this sort of thing. And then I'm wondering if, if the Supreme Court really pays much attention to the Constitution. Yeah, well, Edwin Vieira's book, Pieces of Eight, um, which is uh, absolutely a fantastic study of American uh, legal monetary history, makes clear that the Constitution, uh, excuse me, makes clear that the Supreme Court has, um, you know, avoided, you know, many issues of the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and monetary issues in particular have not been raised uh, for, you know, almost 100 years. Uh, The court tends not to take those types of monetary issues. But if state's attorney generals bring it to the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court has to hear and address those issues. And I think the the legal history is quite clear that, you know, gold and silver, you know, should be the money of a nation. And the reason why is that only gold and silver imposes discipline on government spending. Uh, You know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, a lot of the things that have happened over the past 30 years. Remember Graham Rudman back in the 80s was control spending? What did it do? It didn't do nothing. It was just more government promises. Uh, What you really need to do is to put government on a a tight leash. Uh, Stop them from spending money, and the only way to do that is to... Uh, tie the the currency into gold or silver coin because governments cannot create gold or silver out of thin air. Yeah, I keep coming back to this proclivity of Amer- of of human beings to want to have something for nothing. And Carmen, you were we were talking before the show. You you read James' book, The Collapse of the Dollar, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 do you you I think you might have something to ask James along those lines. Yeah, sure. Um... James, um, I like it when you say uh, there's nothing new in your uh, the collapse of the dollar book. Um, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to uh, to monetary debasement. Um, I, for one, found it fascinating to learn about the Roman Empire and its collapse due to financial ruin. Do you see any similarities between the Roman Empire and present-day America? Yeah, you know, the similarities are there. You know, the debasement of the currency ultimately leads to, you know, a corruption of society. Um, you know, Lenin uh, is famous for saying and quoted, um, uh, the quote has been made famous by Keynes, that you, the way you destroy a society is by de- debauching the currency. Hmm. You need very a level, interesting, very interesting. Yeah, you need a level playing field with the currency so that everybody can act uh, voluntarily in the marketplace with this neutral tool. But what's happened now is that currency has become a political tool uh, used by governments. It's become a tool that it uses to, um, you know, uh, beat up on its enemies. It uses a tool to award favored, uh, reward favored interests. It's no longer the neutral tool. And when that happens, the society gets corrupted. 
And that's unfortunate because, you know, uh, what's happening today in America is the middle class is being destroyed by policies that are being pursued in Washington. And middle, the middle class is the backbone of the American society. You know, it's, it's where the production is. It's where the wealth is uh, being saved. It's where the wealth is being created. And middle class is being destroyed. And that's, that's really tragic. I can tell you, James, I just came back from uh, Zurich, Switzerland, where I met... Uh a princess from uh, von Liechtenstein, and uh, uh, and she was lamenting the same thing. Uh, you know, she was she's very worried about what's going on in America. She's very worried about what's going on in the West in general because of that very point. And we've had Howard Davidowitz on this show has talked about how 80 percent of Americans are seeing their living standards shrink, and 20 percent are doing as well or better. And most of those people are in the financial sphere the people that the 80% are bailing out with inflated dollars or with tax, uh, future taxes and so forth. So we are, you know, we're, we're in, I guess, I guess we all three would say that we're in big trouble. Um, so where are we going to go from here? I see we've got a few minutes before the uh, commercial break. Um, so you, but you are hopeful, James, that we see some, some things that are changing from, uh, on the state level for sure. Yeah, for, on the state level, but you know where things start, it starts with the individual um, and his his or her family. Right. What you have to do is you have to take steps to make sure that you and your family are protected, come what may, and hope that the rest of it works out. And you know, if you can contribute to some of the you know sound money movements at the state level, but you know each individual has to take those steps to prepare for that rainy day. And the best way to do that is to accumulate physical gold and accumulate physical silver. Well, and you have made it possible to do that, and I know, Carmen, you also made some, uh, you know, in the nothing new under the sun category, you, uh, you, you have a sort of Absolutely. different... Absolutely, and there's, there's, there is something new under the sun, and uh, from what I see and I have experienced myself, there is digital gold, and I know that uh, you, James, and your company, Gold Money, are the pioneers of digital gold. Can you share briefly with us the difference between owning physical gold in your in our possession and and physical digital gold? Yeah, you know when you buy physical metal, there's only two ways to do it. You buy it and you store it yourself, or you buy it and you have someone store it for you, which is what we do in gold money. Now each alternative has different advantages and and advantages and disadvantages, and every individual has to weigh those up to see what alternative or perhaps both alternatives works best for them. Um, the the advantage of having someone store the gold for you is you get liquidity um, and you get diversification uh, and you get um, you know through gold money uh, insurance you get audits uh, these are things that you don't get when you have it at home when you have it at home you have it in your physical control and there are certain advantages to that as well so what an individual has to do is to see you know what's the best way that they want to own you know physical gold or physical silver there are a number of different alternatives out there but it comes down to these two basic things own it and store it yourself or own it and have someone store it for you if you choose that second option make sure though that they have like we do in gold money all of the governance procedures to ensure that your gold is actually safe and secure right well that's true and it's goldmoney.com folks that's the place to go to learn about uh... this service this ability to buy store hold gold but it's not only that james uh, turk provides a lot of very uh, valuable information there and james i believe i saw you 
you are now doing some video interviews there, I think, with John. I saw one with John Embry. Is that on your website as well? Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, the Gold Money Foundation, we started it last year to provide, you know, um, information, um, quality educational material on the importance of gold and silver and their role in society. And, you know, we've done a number of things. We republished Edwin Vieira's book, Pieces of Eight. I've been doing a series of interviews uh, with people prominent in the precious metals industry. Uh, I've also, um, we've also done the first of a series of videos, the first one being fiat inflation in, in, in France. It explains what happened uh, to uh, uh, the French economy and the French people uh, back in the 17th century when there was too much money printing and too much money creation and how it ultimately destroyed the economy and society and ultimately led to the Napoleon and dictatorship. Yeah, well, maybe we can uh, we can talk a little bit more about that after the break. I think we have about a minute to go here yet, my engineer is telling me. Um, James, uh, are we in a gold bubble? Definitely not. Uh, gold is under-owned. Uh, you know, the, there is a bubble out there, but it's the dollar. You know, <laughs> it's the dollar bubble. It's the T-bond bubble. It's the belief that the U.S. government is going to repay the money that you lend them when you buy a T-bill or a T-bond. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably a good place to let off because I'd like to ask you when we come back on the other side of the break, uh, what about the U.S. bond market? The, um, I mentioned it seems ridiculous to me. We, we have this shortage of savings, and yet nobody's being rewarded. The markets are not allowed to work. Otherwise, you know, people are not encouraged to save. They want to keep people spending. That's the Keynesian model, right? Keep people spending, and then you never have to have hard times when, in fact, if nobody's saving any money, ultimately there's no capital formation, no, no real capital formation. There's no real wealth. There's no real growth in the economy. And I think, um, but I want to come back and get your sense of what is going to happen in this uh, bond market and interest rates because uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me on the surface. So I want to get your, uh, your input on that. We'll be right back with Carmen Alexei and James Turk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Enertopia Corporation is exploring for precious metal deposits in the western United States. The Copper Hills Project is a near-surface copper and silver oxide deposit. Historic bulk sampling has returned results of 0.8% copper and 3 ounces per ton silver. This year's work program will consist of an IP survey and a drilling program to test the near-surface copper-silver mineralization. Additional projects are under review. Enertopia trades on the OTCBB under ticker ENRT and in Canada under the symbol TOP on the CNN. SX Exchange. Smash Minerals is a gold exploration company in the Yukon whose management was responsible for the first significant gold discovery in the White Gold District with Underworld Resources, which was then sold to Kinross Gold in 2010. Smash holds one of the biggest claim blocks in the Yukon, and exploration has already identified three targets. Intellectual capital, combined with advanced technology, will enable Smash to be quick to drilling in August 2011. You can discover Smash Minerals on the TSX Venture under the symbol SSH. 
Origa Gold is a Canadian mine development and exploration company working in Manitoba's prolific Flin Flon Greenstone Belt. Origa's experienced management team is focused on developing the Maverick Gold Project and expanding gold resources. Maverick Gold includes historical gold resources, a 1,000-ton-per-day mill, developed underground ramp, year-round roads, and exploration access. Origa plans to bring Maverick Gold back into production in 2012. Origa Gold trades on the TSX Venture under the symbol AIA. Dravali Mining Corporation is building the next mid-tier silver, lead, zinc, and copper producer in the Americas by bringing two new polymetallic mines into production over the next several months. The Half Mile Mine in New Brunswick, Canada is scheduled to come on stream this fall and will be followed by the Santander Mine in Peru, where the company is on schedule for mill commissioning by the end of this year. Exploration is active on both projects that remain open for resource expansion. Dravali trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under symbol TV. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 